Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Pucktown Podcast. This is episode number one. I'm Jared Schaffron. Really appreciate all the feedback I've gotten already uh, just since our little preview dropped last week. And uh, excited to debut episode one. Our guest for this podcast is Rob Kincannon, the team president of the South Carolina Stingrays. Obviously played for the Stingrays for a long time and now has been the president for a long time of this organization and had a great conversation with him. But if you're listening to this, uh, we're, we're, we're debuting on December 11th and the South Carolina Stingrays got their 17th victory of the season last night on December 10th. A 2-1 to win over Orlando, 17-2-2. The record for this team this year so far, it has been an absolutely spectacular season. Defensive effort that has been unmatched by any other team in the league. Not only the most uh, points in the division, the highest winning percentage in the league, but the best defense and last night another example. Shutdown performance. Parker Milner is playing as good as he has played here as a South Carolina Stingray, and that includes a goaltender of the year award two years ago. He is at that level right now. He's just doing really good things, and just watching him last night, um, I was impressed at his focus and how prepared he was for that game against Orlando. Dan DeSalvo with two goals, and the team is in first place and looking really good right now. So that was awesome to see last night. We have some big games coming up this weekend as well with the Teddy Bear Toss on Saturday and a Sunday game. The first time we're going to see Jacksonville this year coming up on Sunday. But here in Episode 1, got a chance to sit down with Rob and went through a bunch of different things with him. I probably could have even gone on longer, um, but there had to be a, a stopping point at some point there. And I'm sure you know we'll have Rob on continuously. Uh, throughout this podcast, obviously not going to focus on him too much. Uh, but I, I, what the, one of the things I said to him in, in the interview is that his name's going to come up a lot. He's so involved uh, with everything, and he's someone that has an unbelievable amount of passion and care for the Stingrays, and it shows every day when you talk to him in the office or wherever he is in the community. And so that's why I wanted to have him as our first guest. Uh, We talked a lot about Steve Bergen and the job that he has done here in his first season so far, just 21 games in. But obviously the team is having their best start that they've ever had. So uh, you have to give a lot of credit to Steve and his assistant coach, Ryan Blair. Uh, Also talked about Rob's role on the rules committee within the ECHL and some of the changes that have been made over the years, and especially this year, to try to make the gameplay even better than what it's been. Uh, among, you know, talking to some former players and, uh, you know, what it means to to be a Stingray and why some of these guys who have been here and been in the community for so long continue to give back to the Stingrays organization. So it was a great conversation, a great first episode, and uh, excited to to bring it to you right now. Here's our conversation with Rob Kincannon. Episode one of the Pucktown podcast, Jared Schaffron now joined by the president of the South Carolina Stingrays, Rob Kincannon. And uh, Rob, I think for the first episode of this podcast, I, I felt for a lot of different reasons, you were the clear choice for, uh, for who I wanted to have. <laughs> I just think from a, from a perspective, and, and you know we can kind of get into it, but 
from a perspective of, hey, what are the South Carolina Stingrays right now? Yeah. What are the South Carolina Stingrays when they first started yeah. in, in, in the 90s uh, in between? Uh, yeah. I think you've kind of spanned a lot of different eras of, of this franchise, so I thought it would be great to kind of um, visit with you and, uh, and discuss a few different things. But I wanted to start uh, here at least more recently. Um, it, was, uh, it was a season in 2018-19 that had some ups and downs. Yeah. And now uh, at the outset of this now 2019-20 season, so far things have been going pretty well. But I wanted to talk to you more about um, the transition in the spring and in the summer. Yeah. Uh, you made a, a pretty <clears throat> a decision that happened pretty quickly uh, to bring in Steve Bergen as the head coach. I think a lot of people um, were pretty surprised to, to see, not necessarily that you made a change, but more of the, the time of yeah. the change because it was pretty quick. Um, but I think I, I figured I'd let you kind of talk through this, but through the summer, the fact that you made that change in April and allowed Steve to have the whole summer to prepare seems like it's paying off for you right now. Yeah, I think that um, last year, like you said, it was kind of an up and down season. It wasn't by any st- stretch of the imagination uh, an awful year, the worst year in Stingray's history or, or whatever. We we made the playoffs. We wound up, um, you know, I think 35 and 31 or, or something like that, wound up eventually losing in the first round of the playoffs to Orlando, like we did the previous season, right? I think the, that, that the 2017-18 year when I think it was Rise last year here, yeah. we, we, we got upset in the first round four games to none. It was a different, I think, feel. We you know, had the best record in the league that year, and we um, we anticipated a long Kelly Cup, Cup run, and then we wound up losing, I think, two games, one to nothing or two to one or whatever. Um, and then Rye... Uh, wound up leaving in, in, in July or August, and uh, we made a decision that year to, to go in a different direction, and, and I think we, uh, we, we considered at the time, you know, um, having, you know, Bergie be the head coach then, we made a, a, a different decision and, and, and went a different route um, after and during that season. There was, there was some ups and downs, like you said, and um, I, I I just felt like it was um, it was it was time for Berge, uh to be given that opportunity. I also felt like he deserved that opportunity, and um, you know, losing out in April, like you said, it, it allowed him <clears throat> an opportunity to um, to form the team that he wanted to to have, and then ultimately work closely with with Washington and Hershey on what they were going to have, and and. Um, and, and like you said, we, um, we're having a great year right now, right? Knock on wood. It's one of those years where you're, you're off to a great start, but we both know that as the season goes on, there's going to be call-ups, there's going to be injuries, potentially a guy or two, uh, you know, goes to Europe and it's just a part of our league. And, um, and, and I've enjoyed watching, um, Berge, uh, in his fourth year here and, and what he's been able to do on a daily basis, <clears throat> His um, professionalism, his attention to detail, and um, and, and, and so far so good. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty impressed with it. Um, we made a decision earlier on in the summer to um, <clears throat> to bring Ryan Blair on board. That was somebody that Berge was already familiar with from the Boston area. Um, and I, I can't say enough of what he's doing right now. He's um, He's been able to 
you know, work with the players off the ice on their conditioning and things like that. And just overall, from my vantage point, there's there's a different feel at the arena. There's a different buzz at the arena. And the, and the guys are doing a terrific job um, on and off the ice and in, in, in the year starting off good. So hopefully um, hopefully by the end of the year we're, we're sitting here um, talking about a, a Cali Cup championship. Yeah, that would be great to uh, to recap the season. Obviously, uh, you know, you, you, and like you said, it's it's tough. Things things change, and and I guess you know you make a point about our league, and and I'm sure just going through so many years of this league, you can kind of pinpoint um, how things are and and what's changed. But it seems like the league is in a, a pretty good spot right now, as far as. I think, and you can look at Newfoundland last year. Everyone's kind of looking at what they did. They yep. had so many affiliated players to win the, to win the Kelly Cup, and it seems like a lot of teams in our league right now have a lot of affiliated players, which means that there's a lot of trust from those organizations from the top down that they're allowing players to come down here to develop right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our organization and our affiliations over the last 14 years. With the Caps, this is mm-hmm. the 14th year with yep. the with the Caps and with with Hershey. Um, this is probably one of the, you know, the strongest affiliations in our league. I think at all three levels, at some point, <clears throat> um, our players are going to go up to Hershey, and there may be some guys or a guy or two to go down to to us, and vice versa between Hershey and Washington. And I think, I think you need that depth. Um, you know, if you look at somebody, uh, you know, from a goaltending perspective right now, Parker's in his fourth year, um, as, you know, one of the, one of the goalies in the organization that if, you know, somebody gets injured or or hurt, it's going to go up and fill in in Hershey. Um, and I think we've done a good job of identifying that and collectively working, uh, together on that. Um, ultimately our players main goal is to get to the AHL and, we want them to want to get to the AHL and as it is in the AHL, those guys want to get to the NHL. But with that, I feel like it, it helps our reputation. I think it helps when you're recruiting in the summertime. I feel like it helps when, you know, nowadays it's different, Jared. I think buddies call one another, you know, these guys aren't making a whole lot of money. So if somebody's, you know, has an opportunity to go to Charleston, and pass up 50 extra bucks. I think they know the history of the organization. Been in the finals five times. You know, three of the last, two of the last, you know, seven years. Uh, won a championship three times. Whatever, whatever else that is. I think, I think it goes a long way. You know what I mean? How we treat the players, looking at the history of the coaches. You know where they're when they are now. You know, uh, I think that all comes into play nowadays and you commented five minutes ago the league is different there are so many good players in the league the style of play is different and I think sometimes that you know bothers people a little bit you know um you know we get the new rule with the fighting this year and from my vantage point it seems like fighting is down it seems like the type of team we have right now it's Guys will stick up for one another if they have to, but we don't necessarily have a a a person like we've had in years past that is uh, out there to play, you know, a, a few minutes a night, but also you know to 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 protect the guys if need be, drop the gloves here and there, um, and it 
you know, and it, and it looks like it's changed that way in the AHL, junior hockey. There's no fighting in college. The NHL, I was, you know, uh, I've been to a couple NHL games this weekend, and, um, and and it's just, it's just guys are so good, you know what I mean? And it's up and down. It's fast. It's the it's the best sport in the world, and I feel like we've had to look at that as as the league and as an organization, you know. And um, I'm somebody who was involved in the rules committee, and it, it was a tough conversation this summer to recommend some of those changes when it comes to you know, fighting and things like that because, you know, again, there's a lot of old-school fans who love coming to the games and seeing that type of hockey. But, again, it'd be, it's going to be interesting to see at the end of the year where that's all at. And another rule we kind of changed this year, too, was having seven-minute overtime instead of, instead of five minutes. On the rules committee, we, we discussed, you know, the pros and cons to the shootout and, and having the games end in overtime. I think we can all agree that... Um, ending the game in overtime is a lot more exciting than, you know, having a, a, a you know, a skills competition or a guys going in on a shoot. I think we, we won earlier this year, um, you know, a game and there was 11 shooters and only one guy scored. Um, so I think the league is in a great spot. I think the sport of hockey is in a great spot and, um, I'm, I'm happy with the, with the direction and, and the state of the, the Stingrays organization as well right now. Yeah, you mentioned the the change in overtime. I was going to bring that up because we also had a goal, uh, Tom Parisi in Norfolk, and that was in that seventh minute. So it it does change it, and I think it's one of those rules that, you know, you got to think that the NHL is looking uh, and the AHL looking at what we're doing with that overtime and saying, should we make this change? I'm sure that's something they're looking closely at. Well, the rules committee is made up of – you know, a lot of guys, and one of the guys on the rules committee is Danny Briere, who played in the NHL for all these years, and, and, and him and I started talking about it. And, um, and, and at the time, it seemed like a pretty pretty good idea. We looked at the stats from the league as, you know, I think it was 67% of the games at the time ended in ended in overtime, you know what I mean? So how could we increase the chances of of more games ending in overtime without <clears throat> without hurting the players, without... You know what I mean? Sacrificing the players. I think it's, you know, one or two extra shifts per person in a seven-minute overtime as compared to a five-minute overtime. And I think it's something that right now, early on in the season, it's like 80-something percent of the games are ending in overtime as opposed to the shootout. So um, I, I love watching, you know, when, you know, two-on-one goes down one end and the guy misses the net and the next thing you know, he comes back down this way and then they miss and then, you know, they go back down and the team originally missed winds up scoring and win the game. So I think it's something that's good for our sport. Um, and the way that the direction that, you know, hockey's going, I, I, I think that, um, you know, you need to think outside of the box a little bit and make, make those, you know, changes, so to speak. You mentioned the, the state of this organization. Um, and, again, we could kind of go uh, and talk about a lot of different things that, that you're involved yeah. with, both from a hockey or a business or, or different standpoints. But – um, when you look back at your time here, I think that you know those that know you have worked with you, whether uh, from a business partnership like a corporate partner or, or from someone who's worked in the front office or from a player that's yeah. played here, um, you're someone that cares an, an, an awful lot about this organization um, and your passion for, for the organization, you can see it every yeah. single day. I, I just, you know, I think some people, um, you know, because you've been in it so long, um, I figured maybe just see, just to try to yeah. peel back a little bit of the why, how did that come about, and and 
why is that that you've become so entrenched and and that you have the care that you have for this organization is, is is unlike anybody else well i mean if i think back to 1995 and where i was uh, professionally and personally in my life it was i was at a crossroad i was um i just finished my second year at salem state uh, i got all american i went to camp with the leafs um didn't know anything about the pro game. Got sent down to St. John's, Newfoundland. And then ultimately they said, we have too many guys. We're going to send you to Charleston, South Carolina. And I was like, uh, I've never heard of Charleston. I remember calling Mark Bavis and Mike Bavis and, and talking to them at the time. And they were like, hey, if you go down there, you're going to love it. And you're not going to want to move home. And I had no idea what they were talking about. Got down here. I think it was an exhibition game on like a Sunday night. We had like 8,000 fans in the arena. People were looking at me funny at the airport because I had my hockey equipment. And I I didn't really understand how how passionate and excited the fans were. And then um, played 36 games here that that rookie year and and fell in love with Charleston. I fell in love with the the community and and the people on on my team and and in the community. Then when I got called back up, I played about, I think it was like 20-something games in Newfoundland. And I asked me, I asked them to send me back to Charleston because at the time I just, I felt like, I felt like here was a better fit for me. And, um, you know, here it is, Jared. It's it's 25 years later. And um, it's been a big part of my life. You know, I played here for five years. <clears throat> um, I did some other things after hockey was over. You know, I played in Idaho for a year and had to come home because I missed it here. Had I played in Greenville here and just... It was time to shut it down. And then, like anyone else, when hockey's over, you try to figure out what to do with life and where to go. And, you know, I didn't have a degree and I didn't, I hadn't finished college. So, you know, I was a firefighter for a little bit and, you know, sold real estate for a little bit. And then I ran a bar and then I bought a bar. And then when I owned the bar, um, I think I think it was like 2008 or whatever, or nine, and then, Darren Abbott at the time was the president of the Stingrays, and Darren said, "I'm, you know, I'm, I'm moving on to Manchester, and I, I think this, this would be a good position for you." And so I, you know, I reached out to Anita and Jonathan, and you know, we started the dialogue and had the conversation, and um, and they were um, they were kind enough uh, to entrust in in me, and uh, give me this this opportunity. I think it was April, and you know, maybe 2000, and in 2009 or 2010 don't even know anymore and I'll be honest I've um I've learned a lot over the last 10 years um it's it's challenging at times as you know um we've had a lot of people go through this uh through this office who have moved on to bigger and better things uh whether it's in hockey or or outside of hockey and I don't know Jared I I just think um you know it's something that's always been a big part of my life so I can't help but to be passionate about it, um, I expect a lot out of me and and and, and out of you know our, our team and things like that. But um, it's been um, it's been a great ride, and I know I, who knows if I'm <laughs> I, I may I may do something else someday. But I, I don't know. I never imagined myself or said to myself when I was playing or when I was done with playing. Hey, I want to be the president of the Stingrays. I I never said that and never thought about it. But. Um, I enjoy it. Um, I, I still get to see Fitzy. I, I still get to see the guys I played with. They're near and dear to my heart. Um, I still get to, you know, be involved in uh, in hockey in a sport that's been a big part of my life um, for all these years. And it's 
and it's helped that we've been, you know, very, very, um, you know, successful over that time frame. I think that that helps make it more fun. And um, if 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 I wasn't having fun, then I'd probably be looking at doing something else. When you you mentioned when you got here and people looking at you funny in the airport, yeah. it's funny because I've talked to a few other guys, and when we started to interview some different people over the summer and some former players, I've heard that kind of that story. Like yeah. I think Fitzy said the same thing. Hey, I had my pads in the airport, and you know people didn't know what was going on, but yet at the same time. Uh, at that at that point, the Stingrays were obviously extremely popular. Um, how has it been that you know there's still not every single person in Charleston doesn't know what the Stingrays is yet? Yeah. But yet, this team has existed and thrived and been a major part of the ECHL and and a major part of uh, of this community for so long. It, it seems like there's so much to still be done, but yet yeah. there's such great history to look back on. Well. I mean, if you look in in and around the Charleston area, there's probably 30 guys who live here who who, who played for the Stingrays. You you have guys who have filled in as emergency backup goaltenders, up into the Brett Marietti's and the Dave Seitzes who have played nine and ten years here. Right? It's it's a special place. Everyone loves Charleston, right? So when we were playing, it was was a lot different than now. We were we were out every single night. We were making friends with people in the community, but we were entertainers, so to speak. So, I think um, you know, anytime uh, you know, you talk to players or try to recruit players in the summertime, that they they're they're all aware of Charleston. They're all aware of the beach and the weather, how the organization has been able to treat those guys over the years, and we're a winning team. You know, we've like I said earlier, we've been in the final five times. That's I think it's a record in the ECHL. We're tied for a record for East, uh, for Kelly Cup wins. But then also what you look at where players are now who played here and then where some of the coaches are who coached here and then some of the office staff. I, I don't know any other organization in our league that has had that success of moving people up and down the ranks and through the um, through the the AHL, the NHL, and the ECHL. So, um, 27 years is a is a is a very very long time. Second tenured sec- second longest tenured team in the in the ECHL next to um, the Wheeling Nailers. And you need a you need a special owner as well. And um, you know, uh, dating back to when I played, there was a you know four families, and then it became you know the Zucker family, Anita and Jonathan. Um, and then obviously most recently, um, Todd, you know, Todd Halloran and, uh, as a new, you know, owner of the Stingrays, um, the Zuckers are involved, uh, with a minority stake, but, um, I, I can't say enough of, um, you know, Todd's, um, excitement and vision for the team and the community from a business perspective, Todd sees, and has a lot of experience with with growth, and he sees what our what our community has, and you know how many companies are coming here, and the amount of people who move here. So we've you know we've been able to um, grow our staff. We've been able to do things that are ultimately, hopefully, going to create more revenue streams and corporate partnerships and group ticket sales and season ticket numbers and things like that. Like you said, it's 
not everyone in Charleston, Jared, knows about the South Carolina Stingrays. We we wish there was more people who 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 knew about it. Uh, but I feel like we're 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 heading and we're trending in the right direction. And and, and we couldn't do it, to be honest, without people like you and the staff who ultimately, you know, work long hours and 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 try to do everything and anything possible to to promote the the product and in, in our organization. There's a a lot of players like you said that have that have gone up uh and played whether it's in the AHL, NHL and other professional leagues. Um but something that the team's really known for in addition to promoting players has been those coaches yeah. who have gone up and you mentioned um you you got a chance to go see a couple NHL games. Um you're obviously someone who stays very close with those coaches yeah. um and has that great relationship yeah. and I feel like we can't go without mentioning uh you know what um that has been like for this organization to to have those relationships and when players are thinking about coming here and hey we have Steve Bergen here but Steve's closely connected with all these other coaches and you're closely connected with yeah. coaches and it seems like the the network is as strong as it's ever been as far as having uh former people in this organization uh coaching and and yeah. and participating with um, NHL and AHL teams right now. It's pretty remarkable. It is. And and all of those guys, Jason Fitzsimmons, Jared Bednar, Kale McLean, Spencer Carberry, Ryan Warsawski, they all care so much about this organization. They they all do. Um, and, you know, having them as friends um, is is truly – is truly special because we all check in with one another. We all, you know, we're on different text threads with one another. Um, but you're right. It's, I, I don't know any other team in our league that has had um, five coaches um, move on to either the AHL or the NHL. And if you look, you know, we've got three former head coaches in the AHL right now with Cale McLean and Stockton, Spencer Carberry and Hershey, and most recently Ryan Wasowski up in Charlotte who, won a championship in his first year as a as an assistant coach. Um, you can't, you know, uh, you can't take, you can't forget about the job that Jared has done in, in, in Colorado the last four years, you know what I mean? And, um, and again, he's somebody probably out of the three of those guys that, that, um, that I had the, the, the honor of, of playing with as well over those years and like you said you just you develop relationships and you develop friendships with these guys that you know these guys would do anything for the for the team they would do anything for the organization when when those guys are here in the summertime and you know if we have the fan fest all you have to do is call Jared and he comes to it he doesn't say no he comes to it um and that's the way all those guys are you know and 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 they're the reason I feel like our organization is where it's at and the job that Steve's doing right now. I, I've always I've always felt that one of the biggest positions that we hire for the team is the assistant coach's position. And people may be like, why, why is that? Because that person ultimately <clears throat> has the opportunity to become the next head coach. It's, it's not something that's given to any of these guys. It's something that they can identify with, but they have to earn it. And I can't say enough of all of those guys' hard work over the time that they've spent here now into Steve and what he's doing and what we see on a regular basis. Like, I I, I don't have to do anything, you know what I mean? It's just um, it's great to see them 
and it's great to see the passion for somebody like a like a Ryan and Bergie who who never even played here, but they care just as much for the organization that somebody like uh, a Fitzy or a Jared who who played for the organization. So it's um, it's truly remarkable, and and we're, we're very lucky. Well, I think the uh, idea for this podcast is that hopefully. I'll be able to speak to them and, and learn more about why yeah. they and, and how their careers have been shaped by this this yeah. town and kind of the name for the for the podcast, the Puck Town Podcast. Love well, it. it's it's about this team, but about what this team has done in this city yeah. where it's been, you know, success on the ice, off the ice, moving people up. I think that's kind of the the origin for the podcast and some of the stories we're going to be telling and. Um, I appreciate you giving us some time and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that some of these conversations, your name's going to come up a lot because, uh, because you're, you're so entrenched in, in this organization, but, uh, hoping to, to have a good time with this podcast. I think, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of different people that we talk to. They're going to be able to tell some good stories and, and yeah. really shed some good light on why they, why they enjoyed their time here and what it meant to them. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, you, you letting me be the the honorary uh, Pucktown podcast uh, first interview. But like you said, Jared, and um, these guys, the guys who have played here are the ones who have, like you said, shaped the organization into what it is and the people in the front office, including yourself. So without all of you guys, we, we wouldn't be where we're at. Thanks again to Rob for giving us his time. Uh, it was a great conversation, and as I said, you know, looking forward to continuing our conversations and, and hopefully speaking to Rob again. We've got some great episodes ahead for you here to start off the Pucktown podcast. Uh, we will have it once a week. It'll be every Wednesday, and it's going to be a, a great time. As I said in our intro, Continue to let me know who you'd like to hear from. I've heard a lot of different names that have been tossed around already, and I would like to try to get to all those different people um, that have made this organization so great for so long. So I'm looking forward to some more episodes, uh, and it's just been a great start to the season. Uh, South Carolina right now, as we look ahead to this weekend's games, they are the team to beat in the ECHL. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's, we're not even halfway through the season, so there's a lot of time and things can change, but right now this is the team to beat. They have done everything that you can really ask for. And one of the things too, that's impressed me, and I only, I only say one of the things, cause there's been a lot that's impressed me, but one of the things specifically is the way that South Carolina has rebounded after a little bump in the road. They've only lost four games, but after each one of them, they have come back and they've looked Excellent. And another, again, example on Tuesday, not only had they lost their last game against Florida in overtime on Saturday, but they'd also lost to Orlando the last time they faced them in overtime as well on December 2nd. And you could see that it was really important to this team that they get back at Orlando and they get back in the win column. <laughs> They've already had beaten Orlando four times, so it's not that they couldn't beat them, but... I think it was important to, to everybody that, hey, they got us once, but we're going to come back and, and we're going to get the next one. And, and that was a, a big focus uh, in talking to some of these players, and specifically Dan DeSalvo when we spoke to him after the game. He ended up having two goals in the contest. But that was something that was really important to him, was making sure that they didn't lose a second time to Orlando. That's all for episode one of the Pucktown Podcast. We thank everyone for listening once again, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, I'm Jared Schaffron, and have a great one, everybody.